Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Tristan Nunez, driver of the 7-0 Skyactiv Mazda prototype, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the November 2nd edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. Probably why we've been off the air the past few weeks, haven't been feeling as hardcore as we should be. This is episode 123 of the series. And now that Halloween has passed, hopefully the gremlins will return to hibernation until closer to Christmas. We shall see. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Mullally and myself will be talking about a variety of things, including the IndyCar schedule, the FIA Formula E schedule, the SCCA awards, the Pirelli World Challenge, changes to the International Hot Rod Association, and any other exciting news that happens to pop into the conversation. Consistency and stability, plus the return of a favored track in the Pacific Northwest, Highlight IndyCar's announcement of the 2018 Verizon IndyCar Series schedule that, again, contains 17 races. 16 of the 17 races from this year's exciting and momentum-building season return in 2018, with most falling in the same spot on the calendar to further capitalize on their date equity. The newcomer to next year's schedule is Portland International Raceway, which hosted IndyCar races under C-A-R-T and Champ Car sanctioned from 1984 to 2007, including what is still the closest race finish in IndyCar history on a road or street course. The Portland event is set for Labor Day weekend in 2018. The 2018 season will feature the highly anticipated introduction of universal aero kits to be used by all teams. The new kits offer a car look more sleek, bold, and reminiscent of favorite IndyCars of the past. The aerodynamics involved are expected to make the already intense competition even stronger by allowing cars to closer together and provide more passing opportunities. Indicative of its status as the most diverse and demanding racing series, the 2018 Fries IndyCar Series schedule features a virtual even mix of road courses, street courses, and ovals. Five temporary street course races will be held, starting with the season opener, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg on March 11th, which we're planning on attending this next year. Six races will be conducted on permanent road courses, including iconic tracks such as Road America and Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, and the September 16th season finale at Sonoma Raceway. Befitting the 100-year history and tradition of IndyCar racing, six oval tracks are on the schedule. Three are short ovals, including the last race using the original start-finish line at Phoenix Raceway on April 7th. Three will be held on super speedways, including the centerpiece of the schedule, the 102nd Indianapolis 500, presented by Pengrade Motor Oil on May 27th. For the eighth consecutive year, the 2018 season kicks off in St. Petersburg, Florida. On the 1.8-mile temporary circuit set up on city streets in a runway of Albert Whitted Airport, the Gulf City, Gulf, the Gulf Coast City has hosted IndyCars continuously since 2005 and provides the perfect warm weather backdrop to usher in the new season. Hopefully the, their press release didn't jinx that and have a sudden cold front come through in March as happened before. Anyway, Phoenix Raceway, which we rebranded the ISM Raceway in 2018, is the second stop on the schedule. Returned to the first weekend in April after vacating this date in the 
this year to not conflict with the NCAA Men's Basketball Final Four taking place nearby Glendale, Arizona. The 1.022-mile oval that has hosted 63 IndyCar races dating to 1964 is undergoing a $178 million renovation that will see the start-finish line move to the Turn 2 Dog Lake area following the 2018 Verizon IndyCar Series race. The Portland International Raceway event is set for August 31st through September 2nd on the 1.967-mile permanent road course and will be operated by Green Savary Racing Promotions, which also promotes the Verizon IndyCar Series events at St. Petersburg, Toronto, and Mid-Ohio. The return to Portland takes IndyCar back to an important market rich with race fans and sets up a West Coast swing to finish the season, with the event followed by the Sonoma finale. Other scheduled highlights include Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach. The race on April 15th will mark the 35th consecutive year for IndyCars on the iconic Southern California Street Course, the longest-running relationship for any event on the schedule outside the Indianapolis 500. Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, represented by Lear, the event at the raceway at Belle Isle Park returns as the only doubleheader race weekend on on the schedule June 2nd and 3rd. Collier Grand Prix at Road America in what has become a wildly popular event with fans since rejoining the schedule last year. The 2018 race is set for June 24th. Bomarito Automotive Group 500 at Gateway Motorsports Park on the heels of a virtual sellout crowd and IndyCars return to the 1.25 mile oval this year. After more than a decade away, excitement is already brewing in the St. Louis region for the 2018 race on August 25th. Official track activities for the 2018 Verizon IndyCar Series season begin with two days of open testing at Phoenix Raceway on February 9th and 10th. All races on the 2018 Verizon IndyCar Series schedule will be broadcast by longstanding television partners ABC and NBCSN, as well as the Advanced Auto Parts IndyCar Radio Network. The final broadcast schedule will be announced at a later date. The Mazda Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires, recently unveiled its 2018 calendar of events. The most effective driver development program in the world with over $3.5 million in scholarships and awards on offer will continue its momentum at Premier Road Fourth Street Circuit and Oval Venues in support of the Verizon IndyCar Series. The highly acclaimed platform, comprised of Indy Lights, presented by Cooper Tires, the Pro Mazda Championship, presented by Cooper Tires, and the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship, powered by Mazda, will enter the new season with a trio of -of state-of-the-art chassis on display, including the much-anticipated debut of the new Pro Mazda PM18, which completes the revitalization of the entire ladder system. On deck for 2018 is a return to Pacific Northwest and Portland Air National Raceway in Portland, Oregon. The 1.967-mile 12-turn permanent road course will host the season finale for all three series, Indy Lights, last race to PIR in 2001, and Pro Mazda and USF 2000 in 2006. The last IndyCar race, as we mentioned a few moments ago, took place there in 2007. The month of May will bring several new additions. Pro Mazda and USF 2000 will return to Lucas Oil Raceway for the Carb Night Classic, the race before the 500, after year's hiatus. Mere hours after the conclusion of carb activities at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, in preparation for the 102nd running of the Indy 500, including the Freedom 100, the crown jewel of the Indy Light schedule, the two series will make their appearance on the 0.686-mile oval. Additionally, the three Indianapolis oval races 
will see an increase in points for all series for the first time and an increase in prize money. In Pro Mazda, the National Class will be replaced by the Pro Mazda Classic CMC Series, a six-weekend, 12-race championship within the Pro Mazda Championship, utilizing the older Pro Mazda rotary-powered cars from 2002 to 2017. The series will see a separate points chart, prize money, and year-end award. While there is no limitation on PMC Series testing, Indy Lights, Pro Mazda, and UFS 2000 will see amended testing rules. Indy Lights in-season testing is restricted to two days per team, with two additional days available for use with current Pro Mazda and USF 2000 drivers. Pro Mazda and USF 2000 teams are permitted four days of in-season testing per driver, but not tracks yet to hold an event. Each series will continue with open tests at select venues. The annual Mazda Road Indy Spring Training will take place at Homestead Miami Speedway on February 23rd through the 26th. Indy Lights will test on the 1.5-mile oval on February 23rd and the 2.21-mile road course on February 26th. Pro Mazda and USF 2000 will run on the weekend, February 24th and 25th, to assist young drivers juggling their schedules alongside school commitments. The Mazda Road to Indy Summit program, providing valuable education on a variety of topics, including marketing slash business, media training, career growth and development, fitness, social media, and a comprehensive oval clinic will continue to be in place next season. Indy Lights will feature a 17-race schedule at 10 venues, comprised of three oval, five road course, and two street circuit events. In addition to hour-long race broadcasts on NBCSN, Indy Lights will also be featured on Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Roku, and Xbox One, as well as Road to Indy TV and on the Road to Indy TV app. Worldwide live streaming and live timing is also available on IndyLights.com and IndyCar.com. Coverage of all Indy Light sessions is available on the Advanced Auto Parts IndyCar Radio Network with broadcasts on Sirius 214 and XM 209, IndyCar.com, IndyCarRadio.com, and on the IndyCar mobile app. So, what race are you most looking forward to on the IndyCar season next year? Um... I don't know, but the ones in Portland sound kind of interesting. And actually, I think Portland is only about eight hours from where I am. So, actually, I was just sitting here thinking that it might be kind of cool to catch a weekend of them at Portland. It would be. They, uh... Like I said, we're planning on going to the one in St. Petersburg next March. Uh, that's always an amazing race there. They've got the uh, ton of activities on the track, including all the uh, all the the Mazda Road Indy stuff, which is the three different series. Plus, I think they have a, a sports car series with the Mazda MX-5 Cup that might be that that's come sort of come and gone depending on the year. Um, plus, they've got all the uh, the truck race there from the the super super trucks the the uh, Robbie Gordon Stadium Super Truck Series. So that's always pretty cool, too. Definitely a, a really action-packed weekend of racing they have for a lot of the IndyCar events, and it's, uh, it makes for a really, really neat day. My father's actually considering flying out there for the, the race in Portland next year as well. So that's kind of interesting. It's always a uh, Portland International Raceway is pretty cool. So, driven by it, never stopped, though. Plus, it's a 
it'll be good to have an, have more racing there because I know it's it's sort of laid fallow for the past ten years. They've got the local stuff that hits out there, and they've got they've got the uh, NRA that takes place, of course, at Portland International Raceway. But uh, the street course or the road course there has uh, hasn't seen a lot of of uh, first rate professional racing in the past decade. So it'll be good to have them out there as well. Yeah. What race are you most looking forward to? Well, probably the, the one there in St. Pete, but I think the Indy 500 is always kind of cool, too. I didn't actually see that this year. I saw bits and pieces of it. It's always pretty cool to see, see the cars from around the Indianapolis North Speedway. It'd be pretty neat to go out there one time anyway. I don't know if it'll be it'll be any time in the next few years, but it is uh, that is one of my bucket list, I think, to see the, to the Indy 500 each once. Well, before we move on to the, talking a little bit about the world of of uh, drag racing, let's go ahead and take a, a little short three-minute break here and listen to a selection from Ron Pastana and the Pit Crew.
This is Shay Holbrook from Larson Motorsports, Jet Dragster Driver in the IHRA Nitro Jam Drag Racing Series, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. IRG Sports with Entertainment, IRGSE, a leading marketer and promoter of sports and live entertainment experiences, they reaffirmed its commitment to IHRA and grassroots drag racing. IRGSE purchased the International Hot Rod Association, IHRA, in 2015 with the primary plan to make the sanctioning body a successful motorsports organization that consistently promotes grassroots drag racing and provides exceptional events for its racers and fans. Two years later, the original focus remains and IRGSE maintains long-term commitment to the IHRA as well as its membership, racing venues, and corporate partners. The IHRA, founded in 1970, will continue to focus on core sportsman racing, including the popular Summit Racing Equipment Super Series and the recently announced Summit Sportsman Spectacular. It's more than 13,000 members and nearly 100 venues that host IHRA sanctioned events, an ongoing effort to further the growth of grassroots drag racing. As has been the case since the sanctioning body was founded nearly five decades ago, the IHRA remains decade to providing the best possible experience for its racers. The National Hot Rod Association Sportsman Program will be moving to an all-bracket racing format for the first time in the organization's history in 2018. The IHRA will produce both the Summit Super Series and the new Summit Sportsman Spectacular programs next season. The very successful IHRA Summit Super Series will return for a 17th season and will continue to be the leading bracket racing program for top, mod, and junior dragster competitors in North America. This program is hosted by nearly 100 member tracks and has over 8,000 active and specifically registered participants. The program recently secured a multiple-year renewal from their sponsor, Summit Racing Equipment. The major change in the IHRA lineup will be the switch from the Class Racing-based Summit Sportsman National Championship Series to the newly created Summit Sportsman Spectacular. The new bracket racing-based program consists of 20 races over 10 weekends, Summit Racing Equipment will support the program through a new multi-year sponsorship. The change to an all-bracket racing program is a result of input from racers, partners, and tracks and comes from a five-year effort to improve participation levels in IHRA-class racing. The previous touring series saw multiple format changes, all aimed at keeping the series viable for the racers, host tracks, and sponsors. While there continues to be a core group of decade-class racers to support certain events, there simply hasn't been enough entries to make a series work. The new Summit Sportsman Spectacular Bracket Events will be targeted at top, mod, and junior racers looking for a value-oriented and fun double race weekend. The series will work in conjunction with the Summit Super Series, 
to provide tens of thousands of grassroots bracket racers new opportunities and events that are designed to provide maximum value for the participants. Full details about the Summit's the Summit Sportsman Spectacular will be released as soon as the event dates are confirmed. Now, if you, re- if you uh, listen to that little statement that we, we read off there from the International Hot Rod Association, you'll notice that there is no mention whatsoever about race fans. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting to me because the IHRA has gone through a lot of changes over the past few years, as, we, as we've talked about on this program numerous times in the past couple of years. There have been way too many changes in the IHRA in the past two years since they since they took over really the the IRGSE took over, um, and I don't think that they have the fans' interests at heart there. They may have the racers' interests at heart, and that will be determined. But I I definitely don't think they have the fans' best interests at heart because there used to be a lot of amazing events put on by the International Hot Rod Association, the Nitro Jam event being the being the most memorable of the, of those that both uh, Michael and myself. Michael went to the one out there in. In, uh, in Washington, I went to the one here in Palm Beach International a couple times, and they were amazing events. They put on put on a great show. They had uh, they had wonderful races and in all different classes, and the, you were able to get close to the close to the drivers, close to the machines. They they were anxious to talk talk to you, talk about what they're doing, and for whatever reason, the IHRA has decided that those that those professional style uh, races are no longer what they're looking for. And I don't think that's the right idea because they have a, a different market than what the National Hot Rod Association has. They always have, and it uh, it doesn't seem to be going on the right the right path. And I don't know if uh, if it's going to change how this thing's going to work out. I'm anxious to see see the uh, the Sears Nationals event at Palm Beach National at the end of the month, at the end of November, the end of this month. But I don't think that they're going the right way. And I'm not sure if their leadership does either. I haven't heard any word from Mike Dunn, the, the former, I think he's probably still the current president of the International Hot Rod Association because they brought over from NHRA who had some different ideas. Haven't heard a word from him since that statement was issued a couple of weeks ago. And I don't, I kind of wonder what, how he feels. What's your opinion of the current IHRA situation? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head about the, I mean, the fan situation, but, I mean, yeah, it sounds like they have a lot of members and stuff, but what they're not realizing is, you know, they're nothing without their fans. Like, the sport isn't going to be anything without fans. Mm So, I don't know. I guess we're going to find out, but, I mean, from what you just said, People don't typically like change, mm-hmm. so let's just hope they don't get ahead of themselves. Yeah, I think they uh, they dug a really big hole when they started phasing out the Nitro Jam series without really informing or or talking to any of the competitors in the series. Because I heard I heard numerous uh, numerous comments from the people there, I, former IHRA people who were at who were at Gainesville for the NHRA event, and they. Uh, they made some interesting references to the the management of the International Hot Rod Association, called names that you probably shouldn't call people who are ever going to deal with again. So it'll be uh, it'll be something to see how the how the series works out next year. And uh, and I'm also curious, as I said, to see how the the IHRA takes care of the uh, the Citrus Nationals there at the end of this month. I know the uh, they eliminated 
what was a very popular bracket event called the uh, the Dick Moroso Five Day Bracket Challenge, which took part took place in uh, in November. It's also taken place in December at different times. It sort of bounced around, but it was one of the biggest events in the in the bracket racing community. And I think that they're they're putting all their bags, all their uh, marbles in this uh, this Summit Sportsman bag there. And no matter what they say about the sponsorship of Summit, Summit also sponsors the NHRA. And I'm pretty sure that they they really don't care whether the sport succeeds in the IHRA level. They can always just take their money, pour more of it into the NHRA, and have the people just just drive their haulers for a different track. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It really will. And yeah, uh, hopefully it goes well. But I don't have high hopes for the the current incarnation of the International Hot Rod Association. No, which it's sad because you're right. Like they did such a good job and it was, it was really like, I mean, you know, three, I can't remember how many days we went, but Mm -hmm. you know, like I didn't get bored. Like, you know, whereas like, I mean, the NHRA, I find, I mean, like, yeah, it's fun and I enjoy it, but I find that three days is a little much sometimes. But with the Mm -hmm. IHRA, you know, you were looking forward to the next, race coming up or looking forward to that long walk through the pit. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope they don't destroy it. Yeah. So it was interesting. They actually seemed, although the NHRA guys, they have, they have really, they have their moments. And a lot of the guys there, well, all the competitors in the NHRA are great people, but they have their, they sort of have the same sort of mentality as some of the professional drivers "Quote unquote professional drivers there do another series where they uh, they seem like sometimes they're they're a little too uh, too important to be bothered by people. But the IHRA guys they're all they were all interested in having you come up and close up close and personal with their cars. They wanted to describe everything that was going on. You could actually sit in the car if you wanted to, and that's something that that you'd never see at a uh, you could never sit in a in a top fuel funny car at uh, at an IHRA event, but at the for the pro styles or funny cars for IHRA, you could just hop right in and look at it and see how it goes, and it was pretty cool. So they uh, they definitely burned some bridges there, and hopefully they can rebuild a couple of them anyway. Yeah. Well, we're gonna find out. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the uh, to more four wheeled racing, the sports car variety in Atlanta. A few weeks ago, plans were revealed for the. Michelin IMSA Sports Car Encore to be held at Sebring International Raceway in Sebring, Florida on the weekend of November 9th to 11th next year. Inaugural Michelin IMSA Sports Car Encore will feature a four-hour race including LMP3, GT3, GT4, and TCR Global Specification Race Cars and Pro-Am Driver Lineup. The end of your non-points event will not be tied to any other series or championship which positions the event as an exciting, freestanding opportunity to experience both IMSA and Sebring, and for some, their first taste of endurance racing. LMP3 chassis from all ACO. Um, I don't know how to say that word. Homologated. I'm pretty sure I said that way wrong. Manufacturers will eligible to compete with the global Nissan-based VA engine, GT3, GT4, and TCR. Oh, my gosh. Homologated. Oh, my gosh. I sound ridiculous. Race cars from mainstream automotive manufacturers 
with established operations in the United States will be eligible to compete in the Michelin IMSA Sport Car Encore. No platinum-rated drivers may compete in the Michelin IMSA Encore. Every car in the field will ride on Michelin tires, which will mark their first event for the new official tire of IMSA ahead of their first full season in 2019. The weekend schedule also includes a promoter test day on Friday, November 9th, with practice and qualifying for the Michelin IMSA Sports Car Encore on Saturday, November 10th, ahead of Sunday's feature race. Additional events, such as selected one-make series, are currently under discussion and consideration. Now, there's been a lot of developments in the International Motorsports Association over the past few weeks. Uh, most of them are, are things that take place uh, generally in the off-season before they get ready for Daytona. I know that the the Mazda Motorsports guys that we had, uh, Tristan Nunez, introduced the program this evening. I know they're up in Daytona this week uh, doing some testing there. They've been up there for a couple of weeks now. Um, I know that Nunez is still on the team. Um, I'm not sure about any of the other guys from last year, but Nunez is definitely one of the guys, um, which is cool for him. Hopefully get to talk to him a little bit in Daytona at the, uh, the Royal Before the 24 next January. So that'll be interesting to see how his, his input is. It uh, looks like they're going to have at least 20 prototypes, both P2s and and Daytona Prototype Internationals at the uh, the Royal Before the 24 from all over the world. Um, they're bringing in a lot of cars from from the Asian Le Mans series, which will be the first time there's actually been prototypes from the Asian Le Mans series at at Daytona for several years, including the uh, the Jackie Chan Racing Team, which which actually won at uh, at Lamar last year. That was kind of cool. So that'll be interesting to see them. Um, they've also got the Russian team coming back over, more than likely. Uh, SM Racing is expanding like crazy in the in Europe uh, and, and, and in Asia. And it would be a good thing to have them come back here in the United States and, and compete for uh, at least for the 24-hour. But there's also talk they're going to be competing in IndyCar. And uh, and that would be, be Mikhail Lotion, as well as uh, Daniel Kvyat, was a Formula One driver, so that'd be kind of cool to have him have him come over here to the United States as well. And he's also thinking about driving in in IMSA next season at the uh, at the Rocks Twenty Four, as is as is Fernando Alonso, who was recently announced to be driving in the the Rolex Twenty Four Daytona, the two time world champion uh, Formula One guy who competed last season in in the Indy Five Hundred is going to be here for the the Rolex Twenty Four, and he might be here for other races. And it looks like there's going to be a few other other drivers who are going to be racing Formula One who will be here for the, for the Daytona 24-hour race as well. Uh, Brendan Hartley, who's competed in the Rolex 24 several times now and was supposedly on the list to race for Chip Ganassi racing next season, but is now going to be racing for Toro Rosso, the uh, the Red Bull Formula One team. And that's awesome. He was there. I got to talk to him in the past. Um, I think I might even still have his phone number somewhere, but you never know. Uh, but that's kind of cool to have him him do that. He raced for Mott for the Murphy prototype team originally in the uh, in the the Le Mans series, the European Le Mans series. So that's kind of awesome to have him come over here and race as well, plus all his Formula One success. So that'll be kind of cool. What are you looking forward to about the Insta series next year? You know, I don't know. They have a lot. I mean, just like all the other series we've been talking about, they have a lot going on too. Mm-hmm. So plus they've got the uh, they've got the the tire changes, which they just mentioned in the about the the IMSA Sports Car Encore. 
Uh, Michelin will be the official tire of IMSA for 2019. Um, they're coming in a little bit next year. I'm sure the Michelin man will be bouncing around all the racetracks a lot next year, sort of showing off his stuff. Um, but Michelin has a an amazing amount of tires. Not that the not the current tire manufacturer Continental is uh, there's anything wrong with them, but uh, Michelin has a lot more racing experience right now. So they've got all different sorts of compounds, and that'll be interesting to see how they incorporate that. Um, in addition to all the IMSA stuff, they've got the what, the GP3, the LMP3 class, which will be competing at the Royal Before the 24. It'll be their first race they've, they've competed in at the Royal Before the 24. So that'll be awesome to see them. I've wanted to see the LMP3 cars for a while. We got to see them a little bit at the FARA race, which was held in Homestead race so far this year. Actually, it might be three times now they've, they've competed there. But um, it'll be cool to see the LMP3 cars there. Um and it should be should be pretty neat at least to see the Roar before the 24. I'm still not 100% certain that we're going to go to the Rolex 24. I think we're probably going to skip that for next season. But there's always a chance that, that something could work out there. I might contact Speedway Dodgers, see what they can do about it. We don't have the best relationship with the International Speedway for whatever reason. So, But it, it could be awesome to go out there again. It's always a neat track, and, and there's a lot, of, a lot of great stuff to do around Daytona. So... That's the one race I'm looking forward to in IMSA next year. And uh, I also think that I might might try and head up to Sebring for the, the race there, the uh, the IMSA Sports Car Encore. But uh, that's more than a year away now. Uh, just more than a year away, like, like uh, one year and one week. So that'll be neat. Should be a good year for IMSA. Uh, they've definitely got their act together a little bit more than the International Hot Rod Association. But I don't think it takes much to act together more than the IHRA right now. So hopefully everything just worked out, and hopefully it's a great year in, of auto racing next year. Let's go ahead and take one more short break before we come back to the world of world of four car four door stock car racing, and listen to another selection from Ron Pastana and the pit crew. This is Fence Kid.
from the runoffs to the Hoosier Tire Racing Hoosier Racing Tire Super Tour, U.S. Majors Tour to Regional Weekends. SCCA road racing events are made possible thanks to tremendous effort of SCCA workers. And each year, a handful of workers are recognized for their enormous contribution. Those individuals are bestowed with Worker of the Year honors, presented by Mazda. The Flagging and Communications Worker of the Year is Tiffany Spiller of the Milwaukee region. In the same region, Michael Holt was named Sound Worker of the Year, and Glenn Saiki, another Milwaukee region member, received the Race Data Technician Worker of the Year Award. Dennis Bedner of the Chicago region was awarded the Grid Slash Pit Worker of the Year. Kevin Coulter, also of the Chicago region, was named Steward Worker of the Year. Rosalie Smart of Houston region earned the Registration Worker of the Year. And fellow Houston region member Bill Gibby also received Timing and Scoring Worker of the Year. Scrutineer Worker of the Year was received by Matt Wojkwiak. I probably really butchered that. Senior of the South Jersey region. Dwayne Pinion of the Oregon region was named Starter Worker of the Year. The Emergency Services Worker of the Year is William Carter of the Colorado region. And Race Administration Worker of the Year is Mark Smith of Cal Club. Award recipients have shown dedication throughout the season to their specialty, events, region, competitors, fellow workers, and the SCCA. Exhibited strong skills, good leadership, and a willingness to go above and beyond what's expected and provide ex- excellent customer service to everyone encountered. SCCA members submitted Worker of the Year nominations, and MERS were then selected by the SCCA national staff with input from division leadership. The Sports Car Club of America, Incorporated, founded in 1944, is a 57,500-member member motorsports organization that incorporates all the Okay, of autocross, rally, and road racing at both club and professional levels. With headquarters in Topeka, Kansas, the SCCA annually sanctions over 2,000 events through its 116 regions and subsidiary divisions. Much of the SCCA's activities are made possible with support from the following official partners. Chevrolet, the official truck of the SCCA. Talk Performance, the official brake product of SCCA, Mobile One, the official oil of SCCA, Sunoco, the official fuel of SCCA, and Tire Rack, the official tire retailer of SCCA. To learn more, please visit www.scca.com. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner, or maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport? Contact either Michael Maldi or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you. It's a pretty good show tonight. We'd like to thank the uh, Speedway Digest as well as Blog Talk Radio for not giving us too many issues this evening. Uh, knock on pressed board fake wood desk here. But hopefully it's a, it's a good uh, good off season. I know there's only a couple of more weeks left of the, the NASCAR season as well as the National Hot Rod Association. So hopefully they have a good good few races. I know that the uh, when is it? It's like there's one, two, three more races left in the in the NASCAR series. So for this year, and it should be a a pretty interesting chase for the rest of the year. I know there's been some some pretty colorful finishes in the past few weeks, and hopefully those colorful finishes don't lead to anything anything too bad for the uh, for the drivers. Uh, they're getting a little passionate, and they should be. 
but uh, they need to need to be a little careful too because the the incident last week with the fight on the on the track wasn't a good thing for the sport. Other other sort of clips that I've seen over the past week where where that sort of uh, the the smaller smaller serious drivers think they can get away with stuff because they see the the NASCAR guys do it and, and the, uh, they should learn from Tony Stewart's issue that the you have to be really careful what you're doing with a race car because it can be a deadly weapon, and, and that's not a good thing. So hopefully it's a, a nice safe end of the racing season, and uh, and everything goes well. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at speedwaydigestradionetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read articles covering all aspects of motorsports at SpeedwayDigest.com. Recently, I've put out, I believe, like 30, 30 articles in the past couple of weeks um, in the racing news section covering all aspects of motorsports. Of course, I, I tend to uh, stay away from NASCAR most of the time, but we do have a lot of good Formula One coverage there. Got quite a bit of IMSA coverage because the IMSA series is uh, is fast. Um, don't have much drag racing coverage. But I did speckle in a little bit here and there. I might be putting out more, probably not tomorrow, because I will be traveling tomorrow, but probably in the, in early next week, you can see some new, uh, new articles in the racing news section from me, so be sure to check that out. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which we found by visiting palmbeach.happeningmag.com. We've had some great pieces there at Palm Beach Happening. We had an awesome amount of Halloween coverage this past month. Now transitioning to the uh, the, ho- the rest of the holiday season, uh, we're we're focused on uh, on Thanksgiving right now. We're not going to cross the line to doing Christmas stories until probably the uh, let's see the 24th, which is the day after Thanksgiving. We're going to try and hold off on doing that. I know that I keep getting bombarded by by Christmas story after Christmas story. I'll probably update the Christmas Christmas uh, guide but I will not be publishing any of those stories until after Thanksgiving. I'm going to be, be trying my best to do that. Um, the, only, the only exception I'm going to make to that will be that I'm probably going to post a review of, uh, of Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, which takes place in the Magic Kingdom, starting in, I think it might even start tomorrow. Uh, but you can look that up on the, on the Disney website at uh, WaltDisneyWorld.com. So, but I will be attending that on the 17th of this month, which is like two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, that's more than a month before Christmas, but, and it's a week before Thanksgiving, roughly. But when Mickey Mouse says it's time for Christmas, it's time for Christmas. Um, there is, of course, one more Halloween event that we're planning on attending here for Palm Beach Happening. That will be on Saturday, November 4th, which is two days from today. We're planning on visiting the Shallow Grave which is a a huge um, Halloween attraction in Winter Haven, Florida. Now, that's right down the street from Legoland, Florida. So we will also be visiting Legoland, Florida, beginning tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to be staying the weekend at the the Legoland Beach Retreat, which is their newest hotel there. I believe it opened in April. So that'll be cool to see something that's less than less than like seven months old there. Um, it's kind of a uh, a Lego-themed bungalow-type thing at the resort, so that'll be cool. Plus, Legoland has a bunch of new stuff that we haven't seen, so I'm going to be doing a a full review of Legoland 
for Palm Beach Happening, uh, featuring the Ninjago section, as well as some of the other new rides and experiences that are taking place there. So that should be cool. Uh, we, we really appreciate your support here at, uh, at Speedway Digest, and I appreciate your support specifically for Palm Beach Happening. And I thank you very much for, for following us. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again on November 9th in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Have a great night, and see you next week.